Welcome. I am Aaron Giesbrecht, head QB trainer and owner of Big Air Academy, located in Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. And you are tuned in to my podcast called Talking QBs with Coach Gies, a podcast dedicated to the Canadian quarterback and offensive football. And today on my 40th episode, I have head coach from the West Kildonan Wolverines, Mr. Russell Walls. How's it going, coach? It's going well. You know, it's in March right now, so we're getting ready for spring camp. Uh, hopefully the weather, you know, helps us out a bit. Absolutely. We've been just getting hammered lately, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping the same thing. Hope that snow melts and we can get back on the field as soon as possible. Thanks uh, for being on today with me. I'm looking forward to us chatting ball and uh, reconnecting a little bit. We were able this summer to work together a little bit. I had you out at my uh, summer tune-up camp held at Oak Park High School. You were coaching the RBs for me. I really appreciate that and kind of uh, developed a little bit of a coaching relationship through that. So I'd love to talk today and tell your football story and talk all things West K Wolverines. Of course. Yeah, I look forward to it. All right, coach. So just to kind of get going and kind of get my audience up to speed, can you talk a little bit about your background, your family maybe, and growing up in the Wallace family? Football it was not something that was, you know, instilled from an early age. Uh, I don't have one of those stories where I was holding a football when I was three years old. Uh, it's not that type of story. Um, you know, I, I grew up with uh, parents that were into more hockey and soccer. Uh, I started soccer at four years old and at a young age and then kind of just grew into other sports after that. Um, I grew up in the, um, the northwest part of the city. I went to Maples Collegiate. I grew up in the Maples, spent majority of my life in the Maples. There's a lot of history in the Maples uh, for me. In terms of football or, you know, a story of when I was kind of groomed to be a football player, it's definitely not that type of story, but um, I think it worked out pretty well. So you talked about uh, growing up with hockey and soccer. So did you play those sports as a young kid? Didn't play hockey, uh, and for the simple reason that my skating wasn't up to par. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, I definitely played soccer. It was one of the first sports I uh, I, I did start with uh, when I was younger. So um, going growing from soccer and then eventually basketball was a big one when I was growing up as well. What's your first football memory? When did you start to play football? I guess you can consider me a late bloomer in terms of the game of football. I didn't start until I was in high school. And what I can compare a lot to my West Kildonan football players, they don't start football until they're in high school, uh, the majority of them. So uh, I was one of those. My first kind of memory was taking the two-hour drive, first game to Kenora. Uh, anyone who's played at Beaver Bray High School, uh, back then they played on top of uh, the hill, right? So it's, you know... 50 stairs to climb to get to the field at least uh, and then you play the game and usually it's well attended usually the whole kind of town of Kenora shows up to that game and you know when my first game it was it was that right it was a great atmosphere but it was definitely overwhelming you know coming from a soccer or a basketball where you don't really play in Kenora you don't play out of town teams right you play in the city um, so yeah driving out to Kenora for that couple hours to play that first game was definitely uh, an eye-opener for me uh, it was, and anyone who knew Kenora back then or the Beaver Bray High School, they're always a big team and they're always big boys. Um, and they always, you know, they're always well coached. So it was definitely an eye opener for me, that being my first game. And I just remember being, you know, first play of the game, it was on kickoff on special teams. And, you know, the game was so quick around me being, you know, new to the sport com and comparing it to soccer and basketball. Uh, it was definitely an eye opener, but it was definitely enjoyable and a memory that's still instilled in me. For yeah, sure. that, that is a cool memory. Cool way to kick it off. What's, uh, what positions did you play when you first started? So I was a running back right from day one. Okay. Uh, and I was a running back right until the last day of my, uh, my career. Sometimes they used me kind of for the short yardage, but most of the time I was, I was pretty quick back then. Um, I guess as I got older, I lost some of that speed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I was a running back from day one. So Okay. All right. Well, that's cool. So what happens uh, through your Maples career? Do you go on and play afterwards? I didn't really have uh, a ton of injuries. I was able to play all the games, never took a playoff, never took a practice off. Uh, so, you know, I was kind of set and thinking about what's going to happen after high school. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know I had, uh, at the time, Coach Watson was with the Rifles and we've had, we had some conversations and I attended their winter camps and it was, you know, all signs were pointing towards uh, their attending their spring camp and hopefully being a part of the, uh, the Winnipeg Rifles organization. Uh, towards the end of the winter camps, I sustained an injury, um, and it was kind of my first time where I had to take a break from football. Uh, and at that time, I was, my body was kind of telling me, you know, it's time to take a break. A couple years of football, um, and when I was playing football, I was also playing basketball. I was also playing soccer. I was also on the high school wrestling team, right? So my days, I was I was doing sports seven days a week. I'd go from a football game, I'd get 
my equipment off and I, my parents would be racing me over to a soccer game or a basketball game. And I think once my body, you know, at that towards the end of those win, uh, rifle winter camps, I think my body was just saying, Hey, it's, it's time for a break. Um, so I took a couple of weeks off. I, unfortunately I missed their spring camp, made a decision that, Hey, maybe I can play. There's community ball in Manitoba. The majors program was strong yep. uh, at that time. Um, so I had a conversation with, uh, Eastside Eagles uh, coach who was Jeff Reddy at the time. And he said, Hey, you know, we have a team, right? We're always looking for players. So I was like, you know, the schedule's a little bit lighter, right? It still allows me to attend school and coach. Um, so I was like, Hey, this is great. This will be what I need to kind of jumpstart and get back in there, probably go there for a year and then hopefully attend rifles workouts after that. The season did not go well at all. Um, if you, you have the conversation with Jeff, you would admit that season was horrible on in the terms of wins and losses so it was the first time i kind of experienced losing i had a successful career at maples and we did uh very well um so going to the east side and you know having these all these losses kind of piling up and but overall you know the coaching was good the players were good we were always showing up so i definitely learned something but unfortunately east side in that off season folded so not having the best experience i didn't want my majors career to end that way uh, so I decided uh, I had a uh, conversation with Coach Redlinski, the Nomads, and yep. he said, hey, yeah, if you're interested in still playing at this level, right, we would love to have you out. So I went there. We did very well. Uh, coaching was great. Players were great. And they ended up, we ended up winning the championship that year. I had a couple of injuries throughout the season that really got me thinking about my future. And I had a plan. I was in university. I was coaching football. Um, and I, I did have an injury where I unfortunately had to miss uh, a couple classes of university and it really got me thinking that I think it's time to kind of maybe turn the page on this and kind of look towards my coaching career as well as my my teaching career in university that was kind of ended my playing career right after that championship and I had a I kind of went out on my own terms I was able to play that final game after having a couple of injuries so I said you know there's no way better way to end it yeah absolutely so end it with a championship and uh, I like that you referenced coach rad Coach Rad, somebody that I uh, have a good relationship with. I've worked with him at the Rifles a little bit, and uh, we like to bug each other quite often. So Rad, <laughs> Rad's a good dude. And, uh, yeah, sure. I think having that, you know, like you said, kind of that little bit of self-awareness to be like, hey, my body's kind of beaten up, and I'm going to go on a different path and maybe explore this a sure. different way is, is, is pretty cool. Back at it for second quarter action with Coach Gies and Coach Russ Wallace. I've said this on my show many times, but uh, I got into coaching pretty young. Basically, as, as soon as I finished playing football, actually, I ended up kind of cutting my career short in the middle of the season. I think I, I stopped playing on a Tuesday and I became a coach on the Wednesday. So uh, I have never really had quite a break from football. I've always a huge passion of mine. I'm interested, you talked about on the first quarter there, you saw the writing was on the wall and, and maybe it was time to pack it in. When you were still playing, did you think about your days of becoming a football coach? Is that something on your mind? I don't know if it was something that was really on my mind or that I thought about saying, okay, when I'm coaching, this is what I'm going to do. But you start to have those conversations with, you know, younger players and you start kind of showing them the way you start almost coaching while still playing. Um, and I remember having a conversation with um, uh, Coach Surrett, who's the head coach at Maples, mm -hmm. uh, who I've worked with for a lot of years as well. And he just said to me a few times, was like, do you ever think about coaching? Because you're basically coaching while still playing, right? To these young guys. It was very encouraging and a big part of my coaching career. Don't necessarily think that I, hey, I was like, hey, you know, I'm going to coach as soon as I'm done. It was never really in the plans. I loved the sport. I knew I couldn't play forever. So uh, I definitely thought about coaching towards uh, towards the end of my career. And I was coaching when I didn't even know I was coaching. And then, you know, going to university and getting your education degree kind of sometimes that's tied in together, right, to get a job. Teaching and coaching to me is, you know, the best coaches I've had are uh, great teachers, right? Absolutely. So I thought, hey, you know, if I'm going to if I'm going to teach, I'm going to teach phys ed, right? I think coaching is going to come hand in hand with that, whether I'm a, I'm a great teacher or not. <laughs> I'll let my former players um, uh, say that, but. Uh, in terms of, yeah, coaching and teaching, I think they're they're combined. Absolutely. I totally agree with you on that. So, Coach, can you tell my audience about your coaching career? Can you can you walk me through kind of where you started up until basically till you get to West K? Uh, okay, so basically I, my high school career ended and then, you know, a couple-month break and then basically you get ready for the next year. So as being a grade 12 student, my high school career was over. I actually, I think I had a discussion with the head coach at the time at Maples 
um, Coach Dave Brown, which some of the listeners will probably know, the the older generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was definitely around, um, you know, football in the in the '90s and in the early 2000s. He basically we had a conversation about, hey, why don't you come help out at the spring camp and maybe see if coaching's for you? And I, you know, I said, yeah, that's great. Uh, we did talk about, you know, how it would be still being a grade 12 student in high school, trying to coach your former, my former teammates, as well as my, my colleagues in the school and, and my classmates, right? So we did right. talk about some hurdles there for sure. But spring camp went really well. We had a conversation at the end and just said, you know, is this something you're willing to pursue? And I said, yeah, I would like to continue on here. And that was still being a grade 12 student. I uh, started at Maples in May, I guess, May spring camp uh, right. as the running back coach. Uh, and then I stayed at Maples until uh, 2015 would have been my last season there uh, or spring 2016. I held a, a various roles there. I was a running back coach, special teams, OC and DC, obviously not all at the same time, but just over that, uh, that 10 season career. Uh, I worked under uh, then head coach Dave Brown, and then, which then went to uh, Pete Surrett, who's still the current head coach there. Uh, still a mentor of mine, still someone, you know, I call up when I would need some advice. Uh, in the teaching and uh, coaching world. Uh, and then I got to work with um, coaches such as, you know, Corey Walbauer, who is definitely right. very known in this province um, at all levels of football, uh, and who's a teacher at Babels. And I got to work with him and um, kind of see how he, he did things. And I had never, you know, worked with him prior, so it, it was good to work with him. 2012 comes around, and uh, I get a call from a friend of mine who was the OC at Eastside. And he said, you know, I'm looking for a running back coach. You know, we're coming off a pretty good season last year, but we need a few more coaches. Would you be willing to come be the running back coach at the Eastside Eagles majors team? And given my last kind of experience with the majors team, you know, <laughs> oh, you know, we folded. Right. You know what? I'll give this a shot. Uh, so then I became the running back coach there for, for, for two years. And then the head coach had left. They were looking for a, a space to fill. And they asked me if I'd be willing to take on the head coach role in an in, interim position. Uh, I said yes. You know, I was planning on returning and coaching there anyway, so took on that position. Uh, and then 2015 rolled around, and then Coach uh, Aaron Taylor decided to join as the head coach, uh, which I was, you know, more than willing. Uh, I had known Aaron uh, for a ton of years before this, so being able to work with him, and you know, he was willing to take over the program. And you know, I was in university; I was still coaching at Maples, um, so I was pretty busy. So I said, yeah, for sure, take on the head coach role. I'll take on the OC role. We did that for a couple of years. Um, and then Aaron decided to leave the East Side Majors team and head over to the Nomads, who had not had a Majors team in a few years, right. uh, and kind of restart that program. So he called and said, "Hey, would you be willing to make that move over?" Someone who you know respects the the North Winnipeg Nomads a ton. Uh, I have a ton of respect for that program and that club, and being a Maple's kid, right, definitely tied to the Nomads. I said, "Yeah, for sure, I'd be willing to uh, to come help you out." And uh, his coaching staff, I worked very well with them, so. I said, it's a no-brainer for me. Keep in mind that I am doing this during my time uh, at Maples, still coaching Maples. In 2014, I got asked uh, to join the U16 provincial team under Coach Casali as their running back coach. And, you know, I had never worked with this branch of coaches before or his staff. I had not known Casali prior, but we had a good conversation. And I said, yeah, you know, this is, you know, I'm a student of this game. I'm going to take every advantage I can or opportunity I can uh, to coach football. So uh, I joined his staff and get to work with Coach Reddy's now on staff. And then there's Coach uh, Rob Bailey, uh, who's another big piece in football uh, in our province. So I get to work with him. Never worked with him before. He's on the defensive side. I'm on the offensive side, but still able to learn how he coaches and his style of coaching. Ended up spending uh, six seasons with the U16 provincial team under Coach Casali, then uh, Coach Kelsey McKay, and then uh, finishing up uh, on the last U16 team we've actually had. Uh, prior to COVID with Coach Reddy. Spent a lot of time there as well, uh, working with those coaches, working with a, a variety of coaches uh, from all over our province, uh, and even Thunder Bay, um, having them included. So mm-hmm. definitely a learning opportunity there. During that time, also then Coach Aaron Taylor went from the North Winnipeg Nomads to taking over as the Winnipeg Wolfpack head coach. Once again, calls me up. Would you be willing to come help out? Heard nothing but good things about the Winnipeg Wolfpack. Definitely thought it would be a new challenge, a new learning opportunity for me. So I took advantage of it and spent two seasons uh, with him. And then COVID kind of happened and uh, they decided to go in another direction. Coach Taylor decided to go in another direction. So not with that program anymore, but still a big supporter of uh, of the Winnipeg Wolfpack. So my, my coaching career definitely is, 
is a lot longer than my playing career. Been coaching now at the high school league. I think I'm in my 17th straight season, I think. I take every opportunity I can to work with different coaches in different groups. Uh, and like you said at the beginning of the podcast, we got to work together over the summer, which we hadn't worked together prior. So right. being able to, to work with you and your coaches was was another kind of variety, another learning moment for myself. There's so much to unpack there in a, in a lengthy coaching <laughs> career. A lot of guys that you mentioned, I, I just want to kind of go back to. I mean, number one, uh, Corey Walbauer is somebody that actually was my offensive coordinator when I played for the Rifles. Uh, he was he was pretty young at the time when he got into coaching, but I, I always have a respect to Coach Walbauer, great coach, great mind. He's now with the Bisons as their quarterback coach. Aaron Taylor is somebody that I grew up with. He was actually on, we played on the very first uh, football team for both of us from back in 1991. Actually, that team was uh, St. James Seahawks. We were, we were loaded with future U sport and, and junior talent. That uh, that was just phenomenal, and 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 just so many other guys along the way that you mentioned, and I like the fact that you took all these opportunities that came along, and you just you know kept building and and obviously building your resume, but learning as you go. Also, I'm thinking about when you were coaching for the majors uh, for the Eastside Eagles when Aaron Taylor was the head coach there. I know you won, you guys won the championship there with uh, Drennan Bush, who was a quarterback for me at the Rifles. So you you've accomplished some big things. Kudos to you, man. You like you've done a lot. So how did you get to West K? How did that happen? I started my student teaching career, actually, or I ended my last year of my kind of my teaching practice was at West Kildonan. Okay. Um, and then head coach, uh, Coach Matt Medwick, who's also a Maples alumni, mm-hmm. uh, who I had, had interactions with. He, he spent some time coaching me when I was in high school. Uh, we had a conversation and it was basically, do I leave Maples, uh, a program that definitely needs my help and that I've been with for 10 years to, to start coaching at West K? Um, he was kind of encouraging and saying, you know, stay at Maples, right? Like they, that program, right? You're invested in that program. Stay stay there. Um, and I, I don't think he wanted to take a coach away from Coach Surrett. So I ended up doing my practicum at West K, but also coaching football um, at Maples. Okay. Um, and West K and Maples were in different football divisions. So I tried mm-hmm. to help Coach Medical, who was the head coach at West K at the time, um, try to help him out as much as possible. I went to a few games, gave him my advice on what I saw. That was kind of that relation, and that's where it started. Toward the end of my um, my teaching block, um, Coach Medwick actually uh, was transferring schools. He actually took a job at Maples. I had talked with him, uh, and he had asked me if there was any possibility I'd be interested in, in possibly taking over that program, knowing kind of what I did with Maples and how much work I had put into football. Uh, I said, you know, I'd definitely be interested, definitely be something that interests me, but I, I obviously have to go where – where I'm teaching, right? Because mm-hmm. that's what I was looking for, right? That's what I was graduating. I was getting ready to start my teaching career um, and had to go there. So with him leaving, kind of left a void with the program, but also uh, in the phys ed department. So I was actually hired in the phys ed department and with the agreement that I would take over the, uh, the high school football program. So that was in 2016. And I had known uh, Neville Scarlett. He had coached a lot of people I've coached with, a lot of good friends. Uh, I had interactions with him. I had conversations. So I know who I knew who Coach Ned was, and I knew what he was going through at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matt had taken, or uh, Coach Medwick had taken over that program for Nev while he was um, going through his um, his health challenges. I was more than willing to reach out to Nev um, and you know say, hey, when you're ready to come back, this spot is yours. And that's kind of the mentality Coach Medwick had, and, and I did as well because I knew how much he meant to that program. Coach Nell actually reached out to me before I could reach out to him, and he just congratulated me, said, I'm glad that they hired you. I think you're going to be good for that program. And we had a little conversation around that. Uh, so that's kind of how it started uh, at West K back in 2016. Obviously, again, like mentioning Neville Scarlett is, is somebody that actually was a, a provincial team coach when I played way back when in 2000. He was a running back coach then. That's when I first met him. And then I had the pleasure of actually coaching with him at the Rifles in 2017 and 2018. He was definitely going through the a lot of the health issues at that point, but was still able to coach. And then he decided to go back to West K. You then kind of stepped aside for him. Is that how that worked? You know, he poked his head in uh, throughout the building. Um, and we had conversations about football. And I knew that I could always reach out to Nev if I needed. Um, mm-hmm. If I needed some advice, he was always there. And he was always willing to listen and kind of give me um, his opinion and what he would have done because he knows the he knows the program he knows the culture right um, of the the building so uh, he was definitely always an ear um, so he decided that he was going to come back to work uh, at West Cape and I was I said hey that's great on a 
a school and a football team. And selfishly, I get to share an office with what I consider one of my mentors, right? So I, I think this is fantastic. So uh, we had conversations. He, I had said, hey, if you want to kind of take this program and I'll help you out, I'm not going anywhere. He didn't have any intentions of taking over the program. So basically he was like, I'm here to help out. I'll do what you need. If you need me to be a running back coach, I'll be a running back coach. If you need me to fill up water bottles, I'll fill up water bottles. Mm. I jumped at it. Had the opportunity to have coach with the football program again. I said, yes, you can do whatever you want here. You want to call plays? You want to be a running back coach? Hey, you want to be the head coach, right? You want to do the coin toss? You, it's <laughs> This is your program, yeah. right? Um, I, I have so much respect for, for Coach Nev and what he did for that program um, and what he did for the, the Sturgeon program mm-hmm. and then working with the Rifles and the provincial team. Uh, I was jumping for joy when, when, when Nev was back. So he, uh, he came on as a running back coach. Worked with, uh, I was then the offensive coordinator calling the plays, so we worked closely together. And then he got back into it, was there five days a week. I would consider Coach Scarlett one of the builders of the Westgate program. He took it over in the second year. He's definitely the builder of this program. Even during his, his challenges and his health issues, Coach Scarlett never made excuses. The three years I got, or the, yeah, three years I got to work with him, or the three seasons, he was at every single practice, right? He would you know, be just kind of chugging along out there and still at every practice and not making excuses. Our team really fed off that, right? They knew what he was going through, right? They had those conversations, mm. but he didn't make excuses, except maybe when it came to the cold weather. <laughs> Anybody who knows Coach Scarlett knows he does not like the cold weather. He would be there bundled up with four jackets on when it's, you know, <laughs> only, you know, plus 10 out, uh, but he wouldn't make excuses. Uh, and that's something I really learned from, from Coach Scarlett. No matter what you're going through off the field, when you're that two-hour practice, that two-hour game, that team meeting, right? Put it all aside just for that moment. So nice of you to kind of talk about Coach Scarlett that way and what a mentor he is to you and and building the the Westgate program. And, you know, just, again, the, the person that he was, I, I can reiterate the fact that when I was at the Rifles, the the running back room we had was just loaded with talent, and those guys loved him. They, they just gravitated to him. They took everything in that uh, that he was willing to give them. And just a phenomenal coach, phenomenal guy. Unfortunately, obviously, he passed a couple of years ago and a pretty big hit for us in our football community. And we, we've talked about he had some health issues. And obviously, at, at the end of the day, that kind of took him away from us. But uh, it's nice to look back and talk about him so fondly and, and realize what he did for football in our province. Back at it for third quarter action with Coach Russ Wallace and Coach Gies. So, Coach, obviously, when the COVID year came, we all lost out on football and, and we all had to adapt. The COVID boredom actually was what led to me starting this podcast. So, you know, it's kind of funny. Uh, I'm just interested in how did uh, how did the COVID pandemic affect your life personally? How did you deal with it? And maybe how did it affect your program? Being a teacher, and I guess just like every other uh, organization and business and, you know, worker, right, it definitely affected us, right? We're getting ready. March is kind of that prime time where you start having meetings, you start having weekly workouts. And we were doing that right up until uh, we kind of got shut down in mid-March. So we were prepping for the season. Okay, We were told schools are going to be shut down for a couple of weeks, extended spring break. I said, okay, perfect. I'll have a plan ready for, you know, the middle of April for us to continue on our spring camp. Uh, usually we start our spring camp in the middle of April. So perfect. Um, still meeting with coaches, still having uh, those conversations with players via email and sending playbooks out and going over concepts and all of that. So it's, you know, other than, you know, not being in the actual building, still holding meetings, still having conversations with coaches and players. What I'm doing is I'm preparing, watching film, getting ready. We didn't have a schedule at this moment. So I was kind of watching film and going over our own film and our own playbooks on returning players. Um, so a lot of my life, March and April, was was the same that it normally would, just not going uh, into the office. So I was doing a lot of the same things. And then May came, and it kind of looked like things weren't getting better uh, in terms of extracurriculars and that we might not have anything. But still ready to go, still having conversations with players. And then late June, they kind of made a decision that there'd be nothing for the rest of the school year. Now we're looking to August. Right, that's our next goal. Having conversations with players over the summer, making sure that they're working out, being ready, because I had a feeling that they would call us on a on a Sunday and say, Hey, you're good to go practice on Monday. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. 
basically they shut down the the 2020 football season mm-hmm. right so i instantly feel bad for all our, our graduating players and we did have a smaller graduating class that year we only had a few select players but i still felt really bad for them and i also kind of felt bad for the are the, the other players that were losing a season of football if i can talk about it for a minute our last memory at west k was us losing on the final play of the winnipeg high school football bowl against st norbert where they bombed it from their 25 yard line and it was a jump ball and they got it to win the final game. So that's instilled in my memory. And now I'm hoping, you know, March comes around and I can start a new chapter and I can, you know, move on. Don't get that opportunity. Right. These players, the last moment they think about, last thing, Connor being on the sideline, watching the ball go over our DB's head for a jump ball for the, the other team to win that that bowl game, right? So that's kind of in our brain. That's our motivation. And now we're going to have to sit out another year of this or just a year of this before we can make new memories to kind of erase that other than not having the actual season i spent a lot of time watching film there was a ton of clinics there's a ton of professional development as a football coach that maybe on a normal year or a regular year i wouldn't have time to do Um, and i had been coaching that was now season 16 at that time so from march till june and then again from middle august till november my life was high school football so being able to adjust and seeing that I did have this time, I was able to get a lot of professional development done um, as a football coach. I love that you kind of point to that because I think that's what most of us pretty serious coaches had to do. We kind of get stuck in the routine of being in the season. And I love the off season, right? I always feel like the the journey of the off season, the grind of the off season actually is part of the part that I love the most. The season can often be stressful and that sort of thing when you're in game and, and you just don't have a lot of time. So to be able to spend that extra time and, and to touch base with different coaches and sit in on different seminars, you know, the Zooms and Teams meetings and different stuff like that. Like you said, professional development to kind of get better at your craft and just pick the brains of other coaches. Is, I know for myself has been phenomenal and I definitely have improved and have been able to kind of, I think just as an offense coordinator, I was always the guy that had a ton of plays, but I didn't really truly have a system. I would morph it and, and mold it to my guys, but now I'm at the point where I'm actually like, I, I, fe- I see the importance of actually having a true system that this is what we're going to run. And sure, we might add a play here, play there if we need it. But like, we're going to run this system and be efficient at it. And I'm not going to worry about having every formation and every play that, that I see that I want to do. You know what I mean? Like I got to kind of restrict myself because it's, it's only what your players are able to do. And, and what, you know, you got to be able to teach what you're, what you're actually doing on the field. Right. And that's what exactly. I think like, as a guy that watches a lot of football in the past, like I'd see something on Saturdays or Sundays and I'd be like, okay, how do I add that into my playbook? Right. I love that. Right. But you kind of got to slow yourself down a little bit and realize, okay, the kids can only learn so much. And I think this past year coming back from the COVID season was so telling of that because I don't know about you, but for us, like it felt like we could never really get past week one or week two of like the installation because they just hadn't had that football, but you know, that football in the last little bit. So again, coach referencing your quarterback was a guy that I was able to work with again this summer. And then a little bit after the season. And, and I really like his skill set. He's a, he's an interesting kid. I think he's got a lot to him. He's got some QB moxie and a lot of ability, both as a runner and a passer. I know he's looking at some opportunities moving forward. So that's pretty cool. Can you kind of take me through your 2021 season? You you won the championship for the Division Three this past year. Can you talk about your regular season schedule and, and kind of how did that unfolded? Yeah, so as soon as we kind of got that green light, and we were, you know, had some conversations over the summer, what that would look like in terms of our league, um, and they kind of wanted to know what our intents were. And my, my biggest fear coming out of that 2020 canceled season was, are we going to actually have players that want to play football again? Mm-hmm. Right. And that was a big fear. Like, are they just going to say, you know, I took the year off. Uh, I don't, I don't want to play anymore, but I know one guy who was at my door emailing me weekly uh, was Connor, right? He wanted to be back on the field. So my message to him was kind of let's rally players. Let's get them, get them working out. So I know he took it on his shoulders to actually do weekly workouts that were safe distance. And you know, they're following all protocols at the time. And he was making sure of that. And he was putting these 12 to 13 players uh, through this workout weekly. So which was fantastic during the summer. So like I do with every every season, uh, I get the schedule and I start prepping for each team. Usually you're playing a few teams that you've seen before. It's very rare where it's, you know, it's a brand new schedule with teams you've never seen before. 
Uh, and one thing about the Winnipeg High School Football League is that coaches kind of run their systems, right? And you get to know their systems. Mm-hmm. And similar to you, I never really had a system. So um, being able to kind of just have a system and have a set amount of plays and going with that, um, I think it's been key, was key coming back. Mm-hmm. So going back to kind of just mapping out the teams, I was looking, um, our first game was going to be against St. John's. Always has, you know, smaller numbers, but they're a hardworking team. Yeah. Coach McMillan over at St. John's does a fantastic job, uh, and, it, and they run a, a variation of plays, right? So I knew that we, right from day one, we were going to have our hands full, and we were going to have to be ready. And we started a little bit later. Our season didn't kick off till late September. So I had that first kind of two weeks of school to, to go through the hallways and find numbers, and we had 40 players. So having 40, you know, 40 players out at a, at a first workout, uh, and I did hold a couple workouts because, you know, understanding that these kids didn't do anything for the past year. So we had to have some workouts before we jumped into football. So having those workouts and seeing numbers consistently at 40, was key so i knew we had something special and, and amongst those 40 players we had a couple hockey players that had never played football that were great athletes and i watched them in that first workout and in my mind i knew that they were gonna help us you know have a successful season so going back to the schedule st john's week one we have a great game right defensively we had some holes offensively we were able to move the ball well Uh, led by Connor at quarterback. Just having a quarterback who's willing to take charge and be confident in doing it, you can tell he kind of had a chip on his shoulder. No one was really talking about Connor, right? Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about different quarterbacks throughout the league. Didn't really have any teams talking to him, but he knew he wanted to continue his football career. So he was playing with a chip on his shoulder pretty much all year. So that helped beat St. John's. Game two, we have Daniel Mack. I knew they had a new head coach there. I knew those he was going to have his players ready and rallied up and pumped up and ready to play. Played well there. Went on to play St. Norbert. Game three, Coach Hunt does a fantastic job with that team. I knew we were in for another battle, which it was. So we're sitting at 3-0 and going into John Taylor. Uh, John Taylor, brand new team. But having worked with your camp over the summer, I knew they had a key offensive weapon in Liam. Yes. And I had we had watched him at the camp, and I just said, oh, He's going to be trouble for us. We had a game plan. We watched him on film. We've seen that Liam was a huge part. Couldn't stop him. Defensively, we could not stop that offense. Uh, They moved up and down the field. We dug ourselves a hole early. Couldn't really get out of that hole. Ended up losing by eight. Okay. My message was... On to the next one. We still have another game to play. One last season game. Let's try and correct this. Uh, I knew if we were going to go far in the playoffs and actually win this thing, we'd have to get through John Taylor and we would see them again. Next week, we have Naples. Now, injuries have kind of piled up, right? We're playing a lot of uh, our backups, a lot of younger guys. One thing I know, I know the Naples program very well. Coach Surrett will have his guys ready to play, and they will be prepared. And he had his guys ready to play. We started off quick, had a little bit of momentum, lost that, ended up losing by 12. My message to the team was, that was on a Friday. We're in the playoffs. We're pro- At this point, we didn't know if we were going to uh, to see Maples. Uh, or not, but it was, let's get ready for our semifinal game against either Maples, John Taylor, um, or St. John's. Come to practice on Monday, and uh, we'll get back to work. And that's maybe where that philosophy onto the next came from. That was our season. That was our regular season. You kind of have some ups and downs there, obviously. You have some success, and then and then have a couple blunders. But uh, what happens in the playoffs? So who did you match up with in the, in the semifinals? So a week later, we have Maples. Lost by 12. They pretty much owned us from start to finish. Other than a, you know, a good first quarter by us, they, they had our number. I told my team, we have to work. We have three practices. We're playing them on a Thursday uh, at the Nomads field. And I said, we got to be prepared to play. Knowing Coach Surrett and Coach Medwick uh, very well, I knew they were going to have a game plan to attack us. And I knew that they were going to be prepared for us and our game plan. And it actually turned out we knew each other's game plan. It was a back and forth game right until the last minute. Um, so we knew each other very well. Uh, we ended up pulling away uh, and winning by seven, but it was a close game. It was a battle. Uh, the guys battled. I was so proud of my team. And I told them, Hey, we had three great practices and we were able to come here and execute when it mattered uh, and win that game. So that was a semifinal game. Wow. That must've been pretty phenomenal for the program and feel good moment to kind of maybe get the monkey off your back after losing to them, that sort of thing. And, and kind of take that next step. So did we then have the crazy weather and then the big pause between that and the championship game? So basically up until then, you know, I don't even think there was any snow on the ground. Our our temperatures were great. It was great 
fall football weather. Right. Uh, and then I believe we were set to play on the Wednesday, um, just because with Remembrance Day, we played the final a little bit earlier. Yeah. And then Monday and Tuesday, we were able to actually have two really good practices. And then I think after practice or later that night, boom, that storm started. So basically, uh, I had talked with the commissioner of the league, uh, Rick, and he had said there is a chance that because of traveling, we might have to push this game back. I wanted to play. I felt we were so prepared. I was really pushing for it. But I said, you know, in the safety of our, our spectators, our, our officials, even us getting to the game at Nomads, mm-hmm. I'll, mm-hmm. uh, either way, I'll, uh, I'll stand by the, that decision that's made. So the Wednesday, we have the championship, uh, the league championship press conference. And it was what, 1 o'clock. We still didn't know if we were going to be playing the, the 6 o'clock game. The snow was coming down. It was starting to become quite messy outside. And then Rick starts off the press conference saying, tonight's game will go on as played. So now going from not sure, your mindset now is it's a game day, right? Get through this press conference, take our few players, get back, and then we have to play this game at night. You end up playing the game. It's crazy weather, wet. I remember seeing the highlights afterwards, seeing the pictures. Like the field was must have been just disastrous. That, to be honest, that field's never in the greatest shape to start with. And you know you got to go play there. So talk about the championship game. How did it? How did it go? How did it unfold? The one thing I've learned about the Winnipeg High School Football League and playing football in Winnipeg is you need to be prepared to play in any condition yes. in November, even in October, even September. You have to be willing to play in snow, sleet, rain um any type of weather um and you need to have a run game in the playoffs uh-huh. and i that's one thing that i've always step and being a former running back yeah. i've always behind is having a strong running game because in the playoffs right when the weather's bad that's where you kind of go behind is your run game mm-hmm. so our plan was you know we saw the forecast we prepped that run game our running back dawson hockey player Phenomenal athlete. I knew we were going to go behind him. We had a good old line. Our old line was good. A couple young pieces, but I knew that we had been practicing for this run game uh, to be a big part of this game in the playoffs. So our game plan was to run the ball. John Taylor, you know, they were running the ball well, but they were passing it just as well. So I knew with the weather, I didn't think they were going to be able to pass if we put some pressure on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, took their pass game out completely, and then we just had to stop their run game, which we we did a, a great job. Uh, ended up, I think, out to about a 26 nothing lead in the first half just because of our run game, being able to run, and how much we practiced our run game and how successful our run game was throughout the whole season. And Dawson being a hockey player, I knew that, you know, the cold wasn't going to stop him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a great game. Connor was able to run the ball. Connor was even able to make a few good passes that kind of took us out of some dangerous uh, dangerous areas and on the field and able to switch the field. Our special teams played great. I can honestly say it was kind of the first full game that I've uh, I've seen at West Coldone in, in a perfect game. Wow. So you guys win the Division Three championship. It must have been awesome for your program to, to be the champs that night. Again, going back to something you just said that I think just hits home with me is the fact about our weather here, right? And like, you have to be prepared for that. And I think as a veteran coach, somebody obviously that played running back, they can see the value in the run game, you know, kind of escapes some coaches. I've seen in the past different teams where, you know, they're always in the shotgun, right? And like, then they get into a game like that and there's like five, six, seven snaps that are either in the ground, over the head, sometimes turnovers. And I look at it and I'm like, okay, well, like that's on the OC because like really you should be prepared to be under center if you need to be under center or like you said, run the ball more if you need to run the ball. Like you got to, we live here in Manitoba. The weather's never, uh, you know, it's never going to be great towards the end of the year. And and you really just, uh, I love that you pointed to that because I think that just shows coaching savvy and and probably what, what helped you win that game, right? It's just in your game plan and your, your thought process. So I, I really like that coach. It's awesome. Moving forward now, after winning this championship, what does that do for your program moving forward? Is there more excitement in the school, more kids wanting to play for the, for the West K Wolverines? Just talking about the, uh, the excitement, uh, even our vets who are graduating out, which we do have some key, some key players that are graduating out, Connor being one of them. Yeah. We're turning the page on that, you know, the Connor kind of era of the team, right? He had been around the team since he was in grade nine. Uh, his brother was a quarterback, before him so basically seven years of having makeums as west k's quarterback mm-hmm. kind of turning that page so there is some excitement maybe unfortunate or fortunate the world we live in 
championships excite players and players want to be a part of those championships right and success so yeah we definitely we've done a couple meetings uh wolverine football meetings and signups and our numbers look great probably some of the stronger numbers since i've been at west Kildonan or over our whole program's life Um, so i'm looking forward to what the 2022 season is going to bring it's definitely going to bring some ups and downs with some newer players Uh, but we do have some key guys to to rely on Um, you know travis our running back is one of them Uh, our middle linebacker who's another two players that i think are going to be key going forward for us travis was another guy i got to work with a little bit this past summer and just see his ability i know he's out uh i think he's playing db for the recruit ready seven on seven team as well like he's a stud athlete right uh, phenomenal player. I like I like that kid. I, I want to reference kind of your two young quarterbacks that you've got. Uh, I've been able to work with a little bit of with both of them. Uh, Chase Garland, I believe, was out at provincial team at U16 at the workouts, and I got to work with him. Seems like a pretty good athlete. And then a, a little bit more, I've been working with your quarterback, Fergus, who I really like. He's a lefty. Big Air seems to be, uh, I, you know, sometimes you'll see me post, I, I put Big Air lefties as, as its own hashtag because for some reason, we just have so many left-handed guys that end up training with me. But uh, I really like his ability. He uh, he takes to the coaching really well. He's got He's got a pretty good arm for a kid his age. And, you know, again, like just to be able to take in the insight uh, of what we're working on and then apply it and, and make a lot of throws. I've, you know, I think I posted a couple weeks ago, a couple of throws that he made on some deep in routes. And like, as a kid that, that young to tie the drop to the depth of the route and then make that precision pass, especially like a deep in route or a slant route on time is not easy to do. And, uh, so I really like where he's at and I, I want to keep working with him and hope he improves and, Hope he comes out to U16 and can play for me. I agree. Just to say that on Fergus, that the day after or a couple of days after the uh, the championship game, he was one of the first people at my door asking if he could borrow equipment or, you know, borrow football so that he could start working on um, some of his skills. And then he had mentioned um, that he was planning to go to Big Air's workouts. And I said, that's great. Look at what the work that you had done with Connor mm-hmm. and how honor had come um so i think it's, it's great that you're working with fergus and that you've had the opportunity also to work with chase because they're both our quarterbacks of the future at west Coldonan over the next few years uh with chase being a year younger than fergus so uh, i look forward to to having both of them and seeing how much they improve um under your camps and uh with the hp program Back at it for fourth quarter action with West K Wolverines head coach, Mr. Russ Wallace. So coach, this past week has been busy in the NFL. Been lots of stuff going on, lots of signings, some trades. I'm interested, coach. What do you think about Aaron Rodgers re-signing with the Packers? Just personally, I think the guy is a great quarterback, obviously. That's undeniable. But the guy comes with a lot of baggage and a lot of drama. And I'm honestly a little surprised that the Packers re-signed him for another four years. On top of that signing, what do you think about him, you know, getting his team past first round of the playoffs? Like, he's he's had some playoff woes. Do you think he can, with this new contract and Devontae signing as a, or getting franchised, I guess, do you think that they can take the next step? I think more than anything, I'm just a bit confused. This yeah. is a guy who's the last two years kind of flirted with retirement. Right. And then you come up and you sign this massive four-year deal with all this guaranteed money, mm-hmm. right? If I'm the Packers, I don't know if I want to make a long-term commitment of, with guaranteed money to someone who's flirted with leaving the team or retiring the last two seasons. Right. Um, as for the Packers, I always feel like they run into uh, teams that are peaking at the right time, right? Yeah. Ran into the Bucks, uh, who kind of started off slow, but then peaked uh, right before their Super Bowl run. Mm-hmm. They ran into them. Um, the Rams last year, right? I feel like the NFC, you know, you have these couple teams that are peaking at the right time and they just have the Packers number. So I'm not sure that they're going to kind of get over that hill. And I think the Super Bowl window for Green Bay is closing under Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I think that they play their best ball in the regular season and kind of lose steam as they get into the playoffs almost, right? So I, I would agree with you on that. Now, um, I know you as a Broncos fan must have been pretty happy with uh, the trade of getting Russell Wilson as your quarterback. What does that do for your team moving forward? I think a lot of the conversation has been around Denver losing this trade and not getting the better end of this trade. But I just want to, you know, anybody who's doubting this trade, let's keep in mind that Denver's had 12 starting quarterbacks since Peyton Manning, right? right? We have not been able to find uh, consistency at that position. And if you look at Russell Wilson in Seattle, he's that's the one thing he's been is consistent. Mm-hmm. We had a little bit of injury trouble last year, but... I think, you know, having a consistent and a big name at that position for Denver is, is huge. And that's kind of been our missing piece the last couple of years uh, is having that consistency at quarterback. So uh, I think we won the trade. I, I 
definitely believe we gave a lot up for it, but uh, to have consistency and, you know, have Russell Wilson, who's 32, 33 years old and, uh, you know, be, even if we can get, you know, five good years, six good years, right. Quarterbacks are playing into their late thirties, early forties now. Right. right? Um, so I think it's a good move. Uh, I think it's going to hopefully get us back into the playoffs, but it is a very strong AFC West, as we've talked about. I'm with you, man. I think your team won the trade. I think people will debate, you know, did they give up too much in terms of the picks and all that kind of stuff. But like getting a quarterback of his stature, his ability is it's undeniable. Like, I think that trumps anything you're giving up. Like you said, like he is a proven quarterback even the injuries that he had this past year, like it was a finger injury. It wasn't like he blew out his knee or had some, you know, had to have some crazy surgery, that sort of thing. Like he's super durable. People will say that maybe he's lost a step or two. The latest video I saw him training, he looks like he's actually slimmed down a little bit because he was kind of a little bit more bulky. And maybe he got bulkier because he was getting hit a lot and needed to kind of have that support. But uh, I, I, from that video I saw, he looked slim and looks quick and, He's honestly probably like it pains me to say this as a Steelers fan, but he's probably been my favorite quarterback for a number of years. I just like him as a person. I like how he conducts himself, the leader he is, and just the player he is. He's he throws the ball, the deep ball, better than anybody. So I, I think the sky's the limit for your team. Obviously, the AFC West is loaded with lots of good teams. Uh, you know, Khalil Mack now signs with the Chargers. Do you feel like that move is kind of for the Chargers, like? To be like, hey, like we, now we got another quarterback that we got to defend. Still celebrating the big win for Denver in the trade, and then I hear, uh, you know, the Chargers are loading up on defense. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think it's a good move for the Chargers. I think they got a small window with this rookie contract uh, for Justin, right? So yeah. they got to kind of load up as much as they can because uh, with the salary cap and with he's probably going to be worth, you you never know what you're going to be able to afford uh, once you offer him uh, kind of a max deal. Um, but as an old guy, you know. As long as your offense is strong and shows up, right, you have a chance. Uh, mm -hmm. And like I said, I have that mentality as an old guy, and I'm sure, you know, you're all about offense too yeah. as well. <laughs> uh, I definitely think AFC West quarterbacks have their work cut out, cut out for them. Mm -hmm. uh, but I definitely think we're going to see a lot of points uh, coming out of AFC West this year. Yeah, and, and just one more thing about your, your Broncos team. Like, you got a lot of young talent at receiver and running back and – you know, there's there's some good pieces on defense as well. So I, th I think you're set up for Russell Wilson to kind of take that next step with your team. So I'm with you there. Uh, I'd be excited if I were you. Uh, not like my Steelers who don't seem to want to make any moves. I don't, I don't know what's going on with our quarterback spot. But uh, ho hopefully they got, hopefully Tomlin's got something something up yeah. his sleeve. A couple other QB things going on. Obviously, uh, Carson Wentz gets traded from the Colts to the Washington Commanders. Do you feel like Carson Wentz is kind of over-criticized, or do you think that, like, that's just due? Like, do you think he deserves the criticism? He's had the criticism right from day one. I think Philadelphia, what did they trade up to, to get that second pick to get him uh, a few years there back? So he's, right from day one, he's been criticized that maybe he's not, you know, the number one guy in a lot of these places. Um, but do I think he's going to be the guy for Washington? Probably not, uh, but I think with the right weapons and the right system mm -hmm. in Washington, uh, he can have some success. But I definitely think he has his work cut out for him. I think he's back to the stage where you got to prove yourself, kind of like you are as a rookie, right? You're you're new to the league, you got to prove yourself. Um, I think when he went to Indy last year, everyone was super pumped about Carson Wentz, and he was their missing piece. Um, and I just felt he couldn't win those close games. Tie game with three minutes left. Is he going to be the guy who's going to, you know, march down the field? Maybe, but there's also a good chance he's going to throw that interception and, uh, you know, it's going to go pick six the other way. So mm -hmm. I definitely think he has to prove himself and he's got his work cut out for him in Washington. One of the things I say to my quarterbacks often is like, you can't live and die on every throw. And he plays balls to the wall every play. Like it, it he doesn't really have, it seems that he lacks kind of the cognitive ability at times to realize, okay, this play's dead. I need to throw the ball out of bounds. I need to, you know, not get hit here, or I need to, you know, not take off and run and get smacked, those sort of things. So, you know, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, to kind of like look at him and, and his performance as a whole and be like, okay, this, this guy is going to be the guy that wins us a Super Bowl because he just does things at times that just don't seem to be safe. So, uh, I don't know. I, I like him though. I think he's got great ability as well. So you're, you're right. Hopefully he can prove it. And, uh, NFC least as they like to call it, I don't like any of those teams anyway, so I could care less who wins that one. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, one, one more, uh, quarterback, you know, being a QB podcast, 
you got to say he's the GOAT. Tom Brady obviously retires, but there's all these rumblings and underlying comments about him maybe coming back and maybe not. What do you think? Do you think he's going to end up playing for somebody in 2022? It's funny when you were talking about kind of Carson Wentz being that guy who just goes all in on every throw. And then you asked me this question. Now I start to think about Brett Favre. Yeah. <laughs> Is this another Brett Favre situation with Tom Brady? Right? Is he, you know, just wanted out of Tampa Bay? Um, or is he going to, you know, go back and forth or is he going to stay retired? Um, I definitely don't, I think, I don't think this is the end for Tom Brady. I would like to see him, you know, in the, with the 49ers, right? I think they have some weapons there. They have a great system, but I think they're just missing that quarterback piece. As long as he stays out of the AFC, I'm fine. I've had enough (laughs) of Tom Brady already, so. Yeah, you've had Tom Brady for many years, so yeah, me too. Um, Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think the, the 49ers is a spot that, I think I hope that he goes. Obviously, he grew up as a Cali kid and wanted to be a 49er. That never happened. It'd be kind of cool for him to to go there. And I love Cal Shanahan and the creative things he does with the offense. The way he used Debo Samuels this past year and just their run game and, and all the things that they have. They have a terrific defense as well. So that would probably be a great place for him to go. Now, does Tampa, in terms of his contract, like I've heard Bruce Arians talk, like, are they going to let him out of that? Like I heard Bruce Arians say basically like, yeah, you can come back, but you're going to play for us, you know? So yeah. we'll, we'll see what happens. Obviously the money talks, right? So we'll see. For sure. And I, I don't, I think if you shut the door this year, does that mean his contract's over? I think after this year, I think yeah. he had one deal there left, but does he not like, does he go um, next year? Mm-hmm. Does he come back? It said, you know, Tom Brady could take a year off and then come back. Yeah, he right? could. That's right. He's in, he's in good shape, right? Yeah. And he's, he trains well. He knows his body, right? So if we don't see him this year, it doesn't necessarily mean we won't see him next year. It would be interesting to see how it all plays out. All right, Coach, I got one last question for you before we end off here today. And i like to ask everybody this question. But, Coach, who is your favorite QB of all time and why? You know, I got to stay with Denver, uh, and I started watching uh, this quarterback and kind of why I took an interest in football when I was younger. John Elway, huge fan of John Elway, right? Uh, I enjoyed watching him. He was exciting, especially in those two Super Bowl wins, right? Just seeing, uh, you know, someone who's criticized so much for not being able to win the big game. I think during that time they were at in the AFC Championship a a ton of times and just couldn't win the big game. Yeah. so being watching that and watching him come back and kind of end on his own terms and with a with a Super Bowl win and back to back, right? I, I'd have to say John Elway, but where we are now, I guess I'm going to have to say Russell Wilson as well. Like you alluded to, the way he carries himself, uh, he's a smaller guy as well, mm-hmm. right? And that was one of the big things about him coming to Seattle was, you know, coming out of the draft was he's a small guy. Right. right. He's a small quarterback. And uh, in the day where, you know, quarterbacks are these big and being able to see over your whole line and make plays from the pocket. Right. He was definitely questioned because of his size, but he hasn't missed a step. Coach, those are two great choices. And actually, I don't think anybody has ever said John Elway, which is kind of baffling because John Elway is such a good quarterback. And I agree with you, like those those uh, Super Bowl wins in, in the late 90s there where he kind of there's a couple plays that always stick out in my mind where he took off down by the goal line to get that touchdown to the, the helicopter play where he gets not yeah. basically knocked out but like he at a, as an old man there you could tell like he wanted to win the game so badly for those guys and they had a great team with uh, Terrell Davis in the backfield and, and all those guys but uh, yeah a great choice and again Russell Wilson's a, a favorite of mine so I really like those choices. Coach, I want to thank you so much for being on today. It's been awesome to talk ball with you and connect with you again. I hope you enjoyed your time. I did. And, you know, someone who's a fan of, you know, football and um, definitely a student of this game, I could really appreciate these podcasts and everything that you do, Coach Gaines, for, for football and growing football in our province. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. All right, Coach, I want to thank you again. I want to thank the audience who's listening. we got more great guests coming your way. Take care. Bye.